Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Well, I'm stage crew. Go ahead and get your Bibles open to Romans chapter 8. Go ahead and turn there. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's one under your seat or the seat in front of you. Romans chapter 8, you know, another Advent passage, so to speak. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just put this up front for you. Uh, today's sermon is more thematic than it is like going through a verse-by-verse passage, okay? So it's more thematic than it is expositional. So uh, the passage that we're going to be in in Romans 8, it's going to take a little while to get there, but we're going to look at it deeply, okay? So just hold your horses and hold your finger in that spot for a little bit. Um, so we've been in this series uh, called God With Us, and we've been in it for three weeks uh, so far. This is our fourth week, and by the way, Christmas is next week. Woo, that came quick, didn't it? Um, now, I will tell you that we haven't really t- taken a look at like the narrative of Christmas, right? We haven't taken a look at the three wise men and talked about how it's always wise to follow the star, right? Like We haven't talked about the shepherds, right? We just... We've been in different passages focusing on this theme of God with us, and and the reason why we've been there is because the season of Advent, Advent actually means the anticipation of the arrival of a person. And so, so this whole season is being built up, built up for the arrival, and so God with us is Emmanuel arriving, and the whole season and celebration of that. So first... The first week we were in this series, we just talked about the name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. And we talked about how God's inclination, His desire is to be in companionship with us, His in nearness to us. And we've looked at that in the very character of, in, in His name. And we, in week two, we talked about, well, what can hinder that kind of closeness? What can, what can get in the way of that kind of intimacy? And, and we kind of learned that iniquity interrupts that intimacy, right? Iniquity, our sin, our brokenness has a way to interrupt it, but we ran from there to the cross, right? This blood of this spotless lamb, Jesus Christ, offered up to secure for us closeness with God. That's why we so desperately need Jesus. And then last week, week three, we moved on to the question, well, what can happen when we walk in closeness with God, when we walk in companionship with God with us? And we talked about from Mark 3 how, how the, like, the disciples were called to be with Jesus, to, to preach and sent out to preach with power, right? And so this idea that we have this, this incredible opportunity to be able to be preaching the kingdom, preaching the gospel, introducing people to Jesus, and then not only that, but do it with power, right? Over the demonic, over the evil, right? And, and then, but we talked about how all of that is preceded by witness. We talked about how all, proximity precedes preaching and power, how our intimate relationship with Jesus is primary after that. So life with God comes before life for God. In fact, if you get the other way, if you get them switched, you will run yourself dry. So we've been that far so far. And, and, and now I, I hope you're all asking the same question that I've been wanting to answer for you. And hopefully, <laughs> we'll see if this works. The question next is, well... How on earth do I walk in closeness with God? How do I 
experience day in and day out intimacy and nearness with God? How do I live closely with his presence? Now, I will tell you, along the years, I've heard some pretty, pretty crazy answers uh, to that sort of question from Christians, from people who love Jesus, right? I often ask questions like what they're doing to like connect to Jesus, to abide in Jesus, and, and how, to, how they're spending time with him. And, and like I often get answers that have absolutely nothing to do with Jesus, so I have answers like, I've gotten answers like, oh, I love to go get out into the woods. You know, get out in nature because nature's neat, all right? Get out in nature. I go sit in the park, right? I just love being out in nature. That's how I connect to God. Others I've heard, uh, oh, you know what I do to connect to God? I, I, di- I diffuse my essential oils first thing in the morning. Oh, man, I connect with God there. Where are my essential oils people at? Yeah, no shame, right? No shame. Now we know. I ain't ain't knocking, right? I know I'll get knocked if I knock on essential oils, you people. You know what I've heard? Oh, I do yoga first thing in the morning. That's how I connect to the Lord. I go shopping. That's how I connect to God. Or it's I do what I love. I, I, I hit the golf course. Or I go to the gun range. There's nothing like connecting with God with the fresh smell of gunpowder coming in your nose, right? And you know, in all of these answers, my response is, okay, like, do you pray while you're doing that? Like, you you shoot a few rounds, and then you're like, all right, Lord, what do you got for me next? Or or, or like, when you're you're in the, in the, whatever champion's knight's position for yoga this is, are you meditating on his word? Right? Are, are Are you like, talking with him as you shop? You see, guys, I mean, first and foremost, connecting with God, abiding with God does not mean connecting with nature or created things or your favorite things. That is not how you connect with God. You can enjoy those things to the glory of God, but guys, created things can only reveal enough glory about God to reveal his existence and his power and then give you no excuse. That's all creation and created things can do to expose or manifest God. That's general revelation. No, no, no. To connect with God, to experience closeness and intimacy with him, we have to specifically see the fullness of his glory and the ways that he's manifested it. So we need the special revelation We need the manifest glory of God, which is what shapes us. It's what helps us to grow in godliness, not created things. We need to connect to him. But again, how how do we do that? Now, if you want to go on a hike and you're you're, you're, like, like, praise God, you can do that and you can meet with him there. You can also meet with him in, in, in... In the Walmart aisles, you can meet with him in the car on the way to work, right? Like all of these things are possible, but we can't get to that place unless we have the foundation of the gospel, the the narrative that this describes in our minds. So first and foremost, right, this nearness, this intimacy with God started in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, right? right? This idea that God was with mankind in the garden and would walk with them in the cool of the day. Like praise God for that. That that's what we were made for. We were designed for that kind of closeness. God dwelled with them there. 
But then we know our sin interrupted that and interrupted that intimacy. We were cast out of the garden, right, for our protection and God's holiness, right? And then and in much of the Old Testament, uh, from, from about Exodus onward, we see God moving in to dwell among his people in a physical building, in a tabernacle or in a temple, right? And then, and then we move fast forward into the, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? And we find that God has moved in in the person of Jesus, He's moved in to dwell among his people through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, all of those were specific places on earth that God's people had to go where his presence was manifested and where he dwelt. But what happened after Jesus rose from the dead? Where did he rise to? Right? He's at the Father's right hand. He's not over in Jerusalem right now, per se, physically. He's ascended to the Father. So, so how on earth do we then get to engage in God's presence if, if Jesus is no longer available to us physically on earth? What does this look like? Well, in Jesus talking with his disciples, this is what he said. In, in John 14, he said, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you, what? Forever. To be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. He also went on to say later on in that same passage, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. So, the Holy Spirit, right, is the advent of the presence of God with us now. The Holy Spirit dwelling among us, now living in the followers of Jesus, declaring, in fact, Scripture says that as followers of Christ, we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. You know that, that Christian saying, your body is in him? temple, right? You got to protect it, right? So don't do all these bad things while we're shoving down gallons of ice cream, right? No, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, meaning God's presence dwells in the body of Jesus's people now. In fact, that's what Jesus was getting at in John 7. We were just in it a few weeks ago. He says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the who? The Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit. For the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified, raised and ascended, right? So if we and when we believe and place all of our confidence, all of our hope on Christ alone, we will have the Spirit of God moving in and flowing deep within us. Guys, this is incredible news. This is incredible news for the follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, picture it. Like Jesus, the baby, right? Baby Jesus, he was willing to condescend from his throne, leave aside his glory, and, and be born in a really nasty barn. 
and, and to be laid in a feeding trough where animals spit, probably just had been wiped off just a few moments beforehand, right? That the son was willing to go that far to enter and dwell in among us. In the same way, the Holy Spirit is willing to set up shop in the run-down, tumble-down barns of our own hearts where there might be some bleedings and all sorts of animal noises coming out. Right? I, I feel like when the Trinity was trying to figure out the plan and they figured it out, I feel like the Holy Spirit probably got the short end of the stick. Right? Like It's either a manger in a barn or in this heart. <laughs> and, and if you know my heart, which you don't, I know it better than you do, but the Spirit knows it better than me, he knew how deep he was going to have to condescend just to get in there, right? But God has done what he had never done in all of human history. In Acts chapter 2, his spirit arrives and it comes and sets up shop, permanent residence in his people. The presence of God manifested among his people, in his people. Guys, this is actually, theologically speaking, the very thing that distinguishes us as Christians. Seriously, it's not your good works. It's not what you quit. Like, you quit smoking? Trust me, that atheist across the street just quit smoking two years ago. He can do it too. What makes us distinctly Christian? It's the fact that the Spirit of God dwells in us. So if you're in Romans chapter 8, this is not our main passage, but you can take a look at it in verse 9. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, this is, this is describing that. This is what it says. You, however, talking to us as believers, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. The presence of God's Spirit in you is what distinguishes you as a Christian. So the Holy Spirit is the most intimate, the most close revelation, the most close experience of God any of his people have ever experienced since the garden. Can you think, like, think about that for a second? Throughout all of history, right now, we as believers have the closest nearness, nearest experience of God that any of God's people have ever had. I mean, yeah, at different times throughout the Old Testament, different people were filled with the Holy Spirit, but, but the new covenant that's found and purchased in Christ's blood secured for us God's presence for everyone who believes in the Son. So I think the next question to follow then is, why then is the Holy Spirit the most neglected or maybe even forgotten person of our triune God? So sure, like, like, I mean, theologically, scripturally, you can probably say, yeah, yeah, I believe in the Holy Spirit. You believe in the Holy Spirit about as much as you believe in your pituitary gland, right? A lot of us relate to him the same way as we do to our pituitary glands, right? We're grateful that it's there. My goodness, we're grateful that it's there. We know it's essential for something, right? Uh, we don't pay much attention to it, though. It just does its thing. Guys, there is certainly... 
there certainly isn't a sense of the presence of God with us or a living, moving, dynamic person. And guys, I, I mean, I, it, it, it's easy for me to talk about this uh, because this was me. For, um, for a majority of my walk with Christ, uh, for the 16 years that I've been really following him, um, this was me. Uh, my understanding of the Holy Trinity was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible, not the Holy Spirit. In fact, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still involved in some of those circles where I, I have uh, authors that I love, pastors and theologians that I love to hear from and read their books, and they're, they're still seeming to be that way, the Father, Son, and the Holy Bible, right? Where, where, where they're reading, like I, literally, I was just reading a book this week by one of my favorite authors that I love. I relate to him like crazy. And he wrote a, a book about this whole conversation. And, and chapter 4 was titled, Engaging the Divine Dialogue, Experiencing the Spirit's Voice. You know how quickly I read just to get to that chapter? And then you know what I found in that chapter? How to study the Bible. Sure, I get it. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, we elevate this to the highest position of authority. Every move of God is always discerned by what's in here. So don't get me wrong. Like, I love this book. I'll memorize it. I meditate on it. I want it tucked deep into every part of my heart. But this is not the Spirit. This is not the person of the Spirit. It's His breath. It's His Word. But the Spirit of God, that's the person. And that's who I want relationship with. That's who I want to connect with now. If that's where the presence of God really is for us as believers in this new covenant. As the, the, the Holy Spirit can be so easily neglected among us as believers and in the Christian church that uh, one, of, one of my um, favorite authors, again, his name's Francis Chan, he wrote a book called The Forgotten God. The forgotten God, all about how we've forgotten about the third person of the Trinity. And, 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 and don't get me wrong, like, there's, there's some hardship to, to the, the concept of the Holy Spirit because we're not always sure, wait, was that thought mine or was it God's? Like, like oh man, what, what do I do with that, right? Is it, ooh, do I need to operate on faith or, or should I just not? Like, so uh, let's just by sh show of hands, oh, let's not do that. Let's just keep, it, keep your hands down. Let me ask this question. <laughs> if you could either have God's spirit inside you or God's son beside you, which would you choose? Which would you choose? Would you choose the son of God beside you or the spirit of God inside of you? And honestly, if we could just be all frank together, as much as we theologically say, well, the Holy Spirit, wouldn't it be just really nice if Jesus was just like, I don't know, he's Jewish, so. <laughs> well, and, and like, like you can hear him. He's got a body. He talks to you. You can say, hey, Jesus, what do you want to do for lunch today? Oh, I want to go heal that person. I've got plans for him. Oh, I'll go with you. 
Like, as you're going to work, like, he's with you. Now, we got a problem with that, though, because we know he wouldn't go to work with you. He'd be doing his own thing, and you'd have to follow him, right? Like, wherever he goes, you've got to go with him. But the point of this is this, right? We could, like, the, the disciples had Jesus beside him, and I can admit, there's something easier about that. It's a little bit more comfortable, because you can actually, like, see him and know him. But then what's the point of faith? It was Jesus himself who said that it is much better to have the spirit inside than it is to have him beside you. Look at John 16. He says this, I am telling you the truth. In other words, you better be paying attention. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. It is for your benefit. You know how else that's translated? It's profitable. It's better, more helpful to have the spirit inside of you. Something that Jesus poured out his precious blood for us to purchase for us. Guys, the the Holy Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity, which means if all of this is true, God lives in you. If you believe in Jesus. If you don't believe in Jesus, he ain't there. He's dwelling with you right here. Like right now. God with you. I mean, that's where all of this begins, really, in trying to answer the question of, 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 of how do we as beneficiaries of the new covenant, purchased by Jesus' blood, how do we engage in the nearness with God, with Emmanuel? Well, it starts there for us in this age. It starts with this very real, this very precious truth and promise from God for those who belong to Christ. And, and, and if you're taking notes, this might be helpful, but it's pretty straightforward. The Holy Spirit is God with me right here, right now, all day, every day. Can we say that together? One, two, three. The Holy Spirit is God with me right here, right now, all day, every day. Just think about that, all day, air day. All day, air day. Imagine if this was something, this truth was the first thing you woke up with. Imagine if this was the thought that kept being on your mind all day as you're doing your grocery shopping, as you're scrolling through your phone, as you're cooking dinner for the fam, as you're driving to work, as you're maintaining that assembly line that you oversee, as you're holding a crying baby late in the recesses of the late night, right? As you're, as you're alone in your living room, all by yourself. Holy Spirit, is God with me? Right here, right now, all day, every day. Now, Based on the fact that we're in the Christmas season, this isn't meant to be like Santa Claus with the eye in the sky who's making sure that you're making, making sure you stay on that nice list, right? It's not this eye in the sky to make sure that you're keeping morality, to keep you in fear. No, we didn't receive the spirit of fear. We received the spirit of what? Sonship. No, the Holy Spirit is with us and in us 
Not to make sure we do what we're supposed to be doing, but to enable us to do what we're supposed to be doing. The good that Joseph challenged us to. The Holy Spirit is with us to, to help us to be who God designed us to be as our new creature identity. The Holy Spirit makes himself available to you in your inner life, in your heart, in your soul, in your mind, in your strength. And he, he makes himself available for heart transforming, for, for fruit bearing power. And the Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity that we get to be in close relationship right here, right now. And yes, he always represents to us Christ. He is the spirit of Christ, so he'll often take you to the cross or to the life of Jesus. But Jesus, if you go to him, then he say, well, I'm pointing to the Father. And the Father says, well, I've sent them. You see, they're always just pointing to the other. So if this is true about the Holy Spirit, if it's true that the Holy Spirit is God with us right here, right now, in us, all day, every day, how on earth do we relate to that? Well, I think Scripture talks about it in several ways. Um, one of the ones that I've, I've personally grown to be affectioned, uh, have some affection for, uh, more particularly, is Ephesians 5.18. It says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled by the Spirit. That's a strange correlation, wouldn't you say? Uh, don't get drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. How on earth does that work? Well, what happens when you fill yourself with wine? You, you, get, some, you get some tipsiness, right? You, 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 you get a little crazy, right? You do some things you shouldn't do. You come under the influence of it. And it does not usually lead to anything good, does it? So instead of drinking in wine and getting drunk, Scripture says that, no, we're actually supposed to be filled with, to drink in the Spirit of God and come under His influence. So, my, uh, my, I am, I'm actually working on a Christmas present for my older three brothers and their families. It's a surprise to them. Don't worry. They don't listen to my sermons. I don't know what I did to do that, but they don't listen. So whatever I tell you, <laughs> they won't know. But just don't go tell them. They're down in North Carolina. So if you stumble across a bread, just don't tell them about this. So I'm, 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 one of the surprises I'm doing is, uh, is I'm working on recording all of, um, all of our home videos from when we were growing up. They're on VHS tape. Do you, do you know what a VHS tape is? Right? And, and taking those and recording them onto a DVD so that, and making copies so that everyone can have their own copies. Kind of like the Holy Spirit, right? I'm just kidding. That's, a t that's not the illustration. That's not the point. But as, a, as I'm working on these, I'm, I'm seeing my life as a, like a three-year-old. And, and memories, I don't remember anything. I remember because it's on the TV. But... All my brothers and I, we were sitting at the table and we were playing this game where my oldest brother would pick one of us and, and we would sing a song. And so I, he picked me, I sang some song, I don't, I don't even remember it. Um, and then he picked my twin brother, Mark. And the song that my brother Mark sang when he was four years old, he sang a hymn from 1926 called Spirit of the Living God Fall Fresh on Me. Spirit of the Living God 
fall fresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Be filled with the Spirit is one way. Drink Him in. Another way Scripture talks about how the believer can relate to the Holy Spirit is is to walk according to the Spirit. To walk according to. So a passage in Galatians 5.16 says that, he says, I say then, walk by the Spirit. Later on in the same passage in verse 25, he says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. But our main text today, and we're really far into this, aren't we? We're just now getting to the main text, Romans chapter 8. Our main text is actually going to really help us understand how we relate to the, the, the person of the Spirit of God dwelling in us. And so let me just give some context. One of my favorite passages, you know what, let's just read it because it's just too stinking good. Look at verse 1. We'll start there. Therefore... There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Whoa. What the law, the Old Testament covenant, right, could not do since it was weakened by the flesh, God himself did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. In order that the law's requirement would be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but we walk according to the Spirit. Verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So to walk according to the Spirit, if you want it to be, can be as cognitively passive as living according to things like federal or state laws. Think about it. It can be about as passive as that. Like, like let's just be real. How many of you are actively having to remember not to embezzle money? <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're having to battle with this idea of fraud. No? That's not a... An active, conscious decision that you've got to be aware of? How about treason? That's something you're wrestling with? No. Like, if, if those are things that some of you are having to actually cognitively make decisions about, please come see me. We'll have prayer for you. Sure, you, you, you can live according to these laws of the land. You could even be classified as a law-abiding citizen. But is that what living according to the Spirit is? It's there. It, it kind of informs some things. I think another way some people picture walking according to the Spirit is like a GPS, right? 
The Holy Spirit can be seen more like a GPS. Remember, when it wasn't on your phone, it was just this device that hung from your window, right? And you could just turn it on and plug in, right? Like, the Holy Spirit, like walking according to the Spirit, is it that, right? You're driving along, and it says, in one mile, turn right. Oh, career change. Okay. All right, Spirit. This is great. Here's how, watch, here's how long you have to go to your destination. Wait, wait. I don't want to know that. <laughs> All the warnings, right? Pothole coming up. Watch out. Step over it. Oh, okay, Spirit. Thank you. But is walking according to the Spirit simply meant to just be directional? So you know what you're supposed to be doing. In a sense, sure, yes. Walking according to the Spirit, though, is, is Him transforming every part of you, invading and taking up residence in every room that's in the home of your heart. Walking according to the Spirit means that He is actively convincing you of truth. He's telling you what you should believe. He's shaping you into who you should be. Walking according to the Spirit. Guys, I, I absolutely long that every millisecond of my life would be lived in consistent companionship according to the Spirit of God. And you know what? This verse says how we do it. Did you pick up on that? This verse literally says how we do it. Verse 6. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. Right? Verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, those are the ones who have their minds set on the things of the spirit. The mind, you know, you know that, 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 that thing that thinks, right? That thing that thinks, or at least it used to think until you delegated all of its responsibilities to a phone, right? Guys, a few years ago, I struggled remembering to drink water, and there was an app for that. Water minder. I had to remember to drink water. My brain, apparently, I delegated that responsibility to my phone, right? No, no, no. The relationship with the Spirit of God starts in your thought life, not in your emotional life. To set your mind on the Spirit, right? Literally, that's what it's meaning, right? To, to, taking your mind and setting it on the flesh. Oh, that's walking according to the flesh, and that leads to death. But taking your mind, your thought life, your intellect, your will, and that hurts, and setting it on the Spirit. That's walking according to the Spirit, and that leads to life and peace. It means concentrating your thoughts and your perspectives on God, on the Spirit and His stuff. Because, I, I, I mean, if you're, if you're like me, this seems a little crazy. This seems almost even a little difficult. You know why? Because for a lot of us, our minds are, are more like runaway dogs chasing after squirrels, right? It, it just goes after everything that it wants, and you have no control. You can't even keep up with it. It just leaves you exhausted because you chased it down, and it still won't slow down. 
Uh, other times, our minds can seem more like uh, just a big old garbage can, just sitting there open. Anything that anybody wants to throw into it, no matter how rotten, just put it in there. But guys, I, 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 think, I think if there's a way to describe our minds, they're, they're more like gardens. We're the gatekeeper. We can let in whoever or whatever we want and let them sow seeds of ideas, of thoughts, of beliefs into our minds, and they can grow. And there's only two things that grow in a garden, weeds or what you want, right? Fruitful or weeds. Guys, when we, I mean, again, I'm not saying that these things in and of themselves can be bad, though some of them might be. When you hop on social media, when you turn on your TVs or your radios, your podcasts, you are opening up the gate to the garden of your mind, and you're letting whoever wants to come in and just start throwing seeds down. Whatever they have to say, whether it's, whether it's the infinite scroll, every quick video that pops up, every post, every ad, right? It, it, whether you're watching the news, right? Whoever you get your news from, no matter which channel you're watching, you're letting in different gardeners who want to come in and sow thoughts and ideas into your mind. But this passage in Romans 8 is saying that, that there's no one who's neutral in that. There's, there's no gardener out in the world who's neutral. It's either a mind that's set on the flesh or it's a mind that's set on the spirit. There's no between. And in, in, in the constant watching of TV, in the constant screen time, movie after movie, show after show, news after news, even if it's lighthearted, like G-rated, which G-rated has just lost, it's, it's crazy now, right? You're not even giving yourself, your, your, your own mind, the space to even think about anything. Because you've just set it on screen time. Guys, some of us use, actually, we use screen time to just simply escape from our thought life. Because if we stay thinking too long, we get stressed or we get anxious We've, so we, we, we run from the thought life just so we can hide away and neglect it and, and ease our pain by not having to think about anything. Vegging out is what some people might call it. Instead of taking those thoughts and putting them on the Spirit. Guys, when, when we are in times of anxiety, when we're in times of deep depression, It isn't because we're just feeling those things inexplainably. I promise you. It's because we're letting our thought lives, our minds, go unchecked. And we're believing things. We're entertaining certain thoughts or ideas. Perceiving things in a particular way. And what this verse is implying in its command for us is that we need to take those thoughts and everything else going on in our minds and set them on the Spirit of God and His things. And who is commanded to do that? You and me. This verse, it's implying that we are the ones who are responsible to take our minds and set them on the Spirit 
and his things. We have the responsibility to do that. In other words, in other words, you don't have to think what you're thinking. You don't. You don't have to think what you're thinking. You can think something else. It's possible. You can take your conscious thought life and say, oh, nope. All right, spirit, I'm giving it to you. Sow your seeds of truth. You really are in control of your mind. You have a responsibility to steward it well. And whoever you let into the garden is going to sow whatever seeds they want. And you can let in things of the flesh, things of the world, or you can let in the spirit. And my goodness, will he lay down some truth. In fact, for a life that is lived in accord with the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what we're doing. We're taking our thought life from wherever it's wandered off to, and we're, we're, we're dragging it back, kicking and screaming, and we're saying, all right, Spirit, teach me truth. Speak it. And what happens when we do that? Actively, consciously, well, it, the verse, verse 6 says, Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mind that's set on the Spirit is what? Life and peace. Oh, you're saying we can have life and peace now? This means that we have to consciously Actively, persistently take our minds, meaning our intellect, meaning our thoughts, meaning our will and our decisions, and we force them onto the Holy Spirit and force it onto His things. We make our mind think things about the Spirit and His things, His things like His Word. So we memorize it, we, we tuck it in, and we, we recall it again and again and again, and we let His Word guide us in truth. We, we make our mind go think about His character, about His nature. We make our minds think about the Spirit's purpose and His mission in our life. We make our minds think about His virtues and the fruits that He's wanting to bear at us in our character and our holiness and in mission. Paul even says it this way in Philippians 4. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. Meditate, think about, recall again and again all these things. Because you got to remember, if it's true, it's God's truth. If it's lovely, it came from the Lord. Because he's the good giver of all good gifts. So you have to take your mind and you have to set it on the spirit and his things. And by the way, notice how it says the spirit and his things. Because the Holy Spirit isn't a thing. He's a person. He's not like a force from Star Wars. Like if you know how to wield it, you can do crazy things like a Jedi, right? No, that's not what we're after. We're not becoming Christian Jedis. No, he's a person of the Trinity. And we direct our thought life towards him. We present things to him. We allow him to correct our thinking and our perceptions and our beliefs. And all the while, we're actively talking to him. Isn't that prayer? Is that not what prayer is? 
Prayer is much more than you just having your, your checklist of things. Oh, we've got to pray for healing for uh, my cousin's second niece, twice removed uh, grandfather's best friend. Right? Uh, I've got to pray for, for whatever, right? Like, no, no, prayer is communion with God. Prayer is dialoguing with God. It's taking your mind and setting it on him. Guys, the height, the pinnacle of setting your mind on the spirit is prayer. We're consciously dialoguing with God about what's going on in our hearts, what's going on in our minds, what's going on around us. Guys, John Calvin said that prayer is the chief expression of faith. And here I'm saying that it is like the pinnacle of setting our minds on the spirit, of of seeking nearness, of seeking closeness to God. In other words, if you want to put it so short, prayer is seeking proximity. Prayer is seeking proximity. When you take the time to engage in prayer, that's much more than you've just got your list, but it's more like, hey, I I worship you, I adore you, I'm doing the acts thing, right? Uh, Adoration, and then I confess, I I, I yield, and then I I thank, and then I supplicate, right? Like, or, or you can do the pray version, P-R-A-Y, praise and worship, and then repentance and regret, and then, and then asking, and then yielding, right? Prayer is seeking proximity. So everywhere we go, in every circumstances, we're redirecting our minds, and, and we're putting them on the Spirit and His things. We're dialoguing with God. We're praying at all times, Isn't that kind of what Paul is getting at when he says, pray without ceasing? How many of y'all thought you were just in perpetual disobedience to that command? I did because I always thought prayer was like, I've got to to be on my face and and, 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 and always talking to the Lord directly. I can't be doing anything else, right? I have to be in my own prayer room, right? Well, if I'm there and I've got to do that without ceasing, then how on earth am I going to be out in the world accomplishing his will? Advancing his kingdom. No, no, no. See, he goes with you as you go. And prayer is, and praying without ceasing is literally, all right, God, I'm here at Walmart. Okay, I don't, I don't, I, why do I always say Walmart? I'm sure y'all shop at like better places than that, right? Walmart or Martin's or Target, right? Like, I'm here at, let's go Target, right? Here, I'm here at Target. Like, who do you want me to talk to? I'd love to go talk to them. I'd love to introduce them to your son. Oh, 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 uh, I'm, I'm walking down the street and there's this, there's this person who's just clearly in need of some food and shelter. Hey, God, what can I do for them, right? Like, like as you're going, dialoguing with God, praying without ceasing. And that is where you will experience an intimacy with the presence of God, a nearness with the spirit of God with us, And it's taking back your thought life from whatever you've given it to and giving it to the Spirit and making it think about Him and His things and dialoguing with Him all day, every day because He's with you right here, right now. I'll read this quote to you from a guy named Brother Lawrence who is a chef. And he wrote a book as well. He called The Practice of the Presence of God. 
says this, there is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. Those who can comprehend it, who practice and experience it, yet I do not advise you to do it from that motive. It is not pleasure which we ought to seek in this exercise, but let us do it from a principle of love and because God would have us. Church, he will have you. Set your mind on him. Walk according to his spirit. And there you will find an incredible intimacy with God. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you were willing to condescend. Jesus, that you were willing to move out of heaven come down to earth and be born in a mangy stable, surrounded by bleak calls and animal noises and in their trough. And, and not only that, Father, but you also were willingly able and gracious enough to send your spirit to move into our hearts. God, we thank you for the promise of the new covenant that God's spirit dwells in us now. God, we are sorry for having forsaken him for so long, especially just, I mean, even in my own life, for how long I've done that. And I'm sorry, Spirit of the living God, would you fall afresh on us? Fill us, God, that we might come ever more increasingly under the influence of your spirit, that we would walk according to your spirit. So God, I pray for, for our minds, for our thought life. God, I, I know in ways I, I've given it over to so many things, to, to just idle things, like things that to me seem neutral, but your word says they're not. They're just flesh things. They're world things. And, and God, you want our minds on your spirit. And so God, I pray, I pray that in every way, this week and in the years to come, our church family would know exactly what it's like to have the Spirit of God dwelling in us right here, right now, all day, every day, and that we would seek closeness with Him, praying, putting our minds on Him and His things. Show us what that is. We need your help to do this. If it's our responsibility, sure, but we need your grace to empower it. So would you empower that kind of work in us, God? We love you and thank you for having us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.